0: With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning. Well,
1: um, the snow has stopped, (laughs) so I guess we're going to... Uh, so, as every one of you, uh, t- maybe hopefully, taking a break from shoveling snow and and uh, able to join us this morning, uh, you're welcome. Um, as so, we had plans, but uh, let's just say that our the uh, I had a few guests planned for this morning, but let's just say two of them are stuck in a snowbank or something. Um, but joining me for the whole hour, though, is uh, James Steidel, uh, former city council candidate, and then someone else will be joining us at. 9.30 to talk about trees and green space and urban forests and all of that.
2: Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully right. we can make it down.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. In the middle of the snow, talking about green space, right?
2: Yeah. Well, you got to think ahead about this this kind of stuff, right?
1: All right. Thinking ahead.
2: And everybody was talking about the snow budget last night because it's snowing, but uh, nobody was talking about, uh, you know, the the roads in the summer or the... I guess there's a little bit oh, of. Oh, I
1: did. I did.
2: Yeah. And, and a little bit of talk about the line painting there and whatnot. But you always seem to focus on the weather outside, I guess.
1: We do. Yes. But but then, if that had been the case, uh, we would have increased the snow budgets instead of reducing it, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Well, that, that, I, so, so last night, I guess it was budgeted at uh, 10.4 million. To keep in the kitty and then I yes. guess we cut it down to nine point
1: eight yes we cut it down by and six fingers, thousand, six million
2: and fingers crossed we we
1: stay below that number otherwise what happens yeah. oh then we cut into the reserve and then of course the taxes go up next year that's why I argued I mean I'm so that's why I mean council made the decision to go with nine eight um, but it will be a problem if if we end up having a big snow year, uh, because the the argument made for having a bigger cushion is just to to mitigate and to do a bit a bit more future planning and, and realizing that you know regardless whether we have I mean we have so much we have so much more snow than any other city um, the, comparing us to Dawson Creek or to Williams Lake or i mean not williams lake um Kelow- uh, kamloops is oh yeah it's these are not the same
2: no, and it piles up so quick like this i'm just looking at the back of my my pickup from two days i've got like it's it's pushing two feet of snow back there
1: yep yep i was going to park on what is it third no quebec no. on my way in yes quebec and I was going to park in my because when I come into the studio here, I, I usually like to park on Quebec, and it's like there's two feet of snow there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then uh, Third Avenue is completely clear. So, uh, I mean, our crews have done uh, an amazing job, and and I that's one thing that is very apparent to me. Anybody who travels outside of the city knows that with the amount of snow that we get, we actually have really incredible. I mean, we pay an awful lot. Uh, the the residents of Prince George, we pay an awful lot for for snow removal but it is because we have tons of snow
2: and it's no doubt that yeah they do an excellent job and much appreciative for us to be able to move around in the city after a big dump like this and i hear it's going to keep going till friday so
1: oh oh gosh i was hoping that maybe we were done i hope so too (laughs) (laughs) at Uh, least at
2: least like the sun should shine for an hour i reckon yes you know
1: all right yeah coming in did you hear the discussion i don't know it was i was on a competing (gasps) commercial listening to commercial radio uh but they were talking about um the groundhog let's talk a little bit about the groundhog the groundhog would not see his shadow today which means that we should be having spring in six weeks does it look like spring no this
2: is going to be a long one trudy (laughs) yeah this is going to be like five years ago remember it was like there was no snow at the beginning of february and then that's yeah. actually when I moved it's, all my when I moved into my um, my place in Prince George was five years ago and I I just snuck in before that huge before dump. the big oh yeah like the day that was happening I was going down my insane driveway and unloaded and got out of there and yeah. I never got back down there for the rest <laughs> of the winter. <laughs> no, it's
1: uh, it, it, it's interesting. Sometimes we barely have enough snow for Christmas, but by the time winter is over, we have lots of snow. Yeah. Um, but you were we did want to talk a little bit about city budget we sort of figured okay since we're waiting for other guests to come in uh, you've been at uh, at I mean you ran for city council and you have been attending quite faithfully actually the city council meetings which is very good it's always good to see people in the gallery um, and I invite people like come out and uh, yeah sometimes it's like it's long but you know what it, uh, it's a bit of an education
2: yeah it's uh, so I, I did the math last night. I put in twelve hours so far this week on city council meetings, <laughs> so we showed up at three thirty any afternoon on Monday and that yep. even that went until eleven thirty yep we did take a quick hour uh break for dinner in there and then last night uh I didn't show up right away we started at three thirty yep and went till ten thirty couple of marathon sessions for the budget and yeah, there's a few there's a few regulars I noticed in, in the in the gallery. There's about four people I mm-hmm. think that come out and watch so the things. So we, we have lots of room. There's lots of room. You guys should all come out and watch these things. They're actually pretty mildly entertaining. I'd say Simon, Yu is uh, is an entertaining mayor and chair to watch. He's he's got good energy. You know, he tries he tries to keep the spirits up throughout the meeting and uh, and I don't know. I mean, it can't be perfect, right? It's got to be. There has to be an entertainment value to bring up, bring down the, <laughs> uh, the crowds and the public, right? So. Oh god. Uh, you'll, you'll have, you'll have some fun. Uh, Trudy's very professional, I might add on, on the, uh, watching Trudy on city council. She's, it's very poker faced.
1: Oh gosh. Yeah,
2: it's tough, tough to see. Tough to see where she's going to go with with some of these motions. But I'll I'll, I'll take the opportunity here to spin the tables all right, a little bit, all right. Judy. And, okay,
1: absolutely. And what
2: do you? How's how do you uh, enjoy your your time on council so far? Is that? I mean, you were on school board before, right?
1: Uh, no, I ran, ran unsuc- for school board. Uns- Sorry, unsuccessfully for school board. I have uh, my previous board experience, and I like I'm still on the board of the Prince George Music Festival. I'm president there, vice president of speech arts, and this is very different from those because there everybody is. You know, pulling on the same oar, and and you know we're just all focused on getting the festivals to happen, right? And so Mm -hmm. it's it's very um, it's very uh, friendly, and we're all in this together, and we (laughs) everybody just does what they need to do. Uh, I mean, this is sort of the same, right? Because I mean, we just had our strategic planning, and and I and it was interesting to see like our values are all the same, and really they're pretty much the same as they have been, like the previous strategic plan, I think the, or the difference will come in is how much Energy Council has to, because some of those those principles, like of livability and, and you know, the stuff that we'll be talking about later, they're like, everybody shares those values. It's just a matter of I think it's energy of getting things done. And I think that's something that the mayor brings, mm-hmm. uh, the new mayor. And um, and I think that energizes the rest of council. Yeah. So,
2: There was an interesting moment last night at the end of the meeting uh, where, you know, the final vote on the budget was happening. And then Councillor Sampson and Ron Polillo, Councillor Polillo, said they wouldn't be supporting the final vote on the budget. Yeah. And, uh you know, that really, you could see the the wind come out of uh, Mayor Yu's sails there. And and you could tell that he, he wasn't too keen on that. So he did a he did a little speech there about uh, the importance of unity. And he tried to get everybody on board, so that everybody could take the heat on this budget. Right. Uh, And I think that was maybe part of the the motivation is that he wanted everybody to kind of be responsible for this thing. And in the end, uh, Kyle didn't uh, take too kindly to that. And and stood his ground and said, you know, I'm not I'm not going to vote for this thing. And, and here's the reasons why I didn't vote on this and this throughout the process. So I'm not going to support the final budget. And uh, it was it was a little bit of drama there at the end of the meeting. What, what did you think of that?
1: Uh? Well, everybody has their own way of, of working with other people, right? Um, the mayor wanted unanimity and, uh, you know, so that we, I mean, the thing is, we all wear the decision whether or not it goes the way you want it to or not. Um, I, so I think that's, that's still the case. Um, the, for me, it doesn't bother me that, that it wasn't, uh, uh, a, uh, like that everybody didn't vote for me because it is, I mean, that's one thing that you learn is on being on boards is everybody wears the decision, right? Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm comfortable with that. It doesn't, didn't bother me, yeah. but but uh, it, I mean, everybody and like, just like for the mayor, for him, it was important. So I think the important thing on council is that you argue for what you you want. Yeah. And I'm sure that because of the mayor's experience in his own life. And I mean, yeah, no, he's never been a mayor before, but he knows other things. And that was his I mean, you've got to argue for the things that are important and that you think are important. Yeah. So I, I appreciated that.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so I'll just pretend I'm, um, on, that you're on the hot seat still. So, okay, all okay, right. so we had the, uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the decision last night. Uh, the final budget went, 7. I 5 think, 8. 7.58% increase in property taxes. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk, do you want to tell us a little bit about, um, you know, or do you think there was enough effort put into
1: finding cost savings? Um, well, this was, okay, I, I can easily take that one. This was, not a budget of my making like right because we i mean got elected in in uh, October we're not you know officially in our roles until November and so we had the two meeting two budget meetings and you're still learning and you're still figuring all of that out and the budget was crafted before that so it was crafted by the previous council and and it's it's not a yeah so it it, it this this sort of was the previous council's budget in that regard i think if you look at the actual facts of the budget, we've only, so what happens whenever you are going with um, with a 0%, which happened in 2021, your compound, so you're not accounting for any inflation, right? So that's basically what you're doing there. I know that we used to say free start funds. So the money was used. However, then for the next year, you're missing that that inflationary increase, that you would have got the previous year, right? So you have to make up the difference, plus this year's inflation. So in twenty twenty two, the tax increase should have been double what it, like nearly double what it was. And so I think we're going to find ourselves into trouble. In trouble. I am like, I'm I'm a low tax person. I wish government did less rather than more. Um, so that is something. Like, but the only way you do that is you have to actually cut and, and you, you, you have to cut services. And I don't think that there's the public appetite for that. So if that's not the public appetite, then you have to increase taxes. And the major, huge, mega problem that, uh, Prince George has is the fact that our footprint is so massive. Walter Babbage, our uh, city manager, spoke very eloquently to that. He showed the graphs of how much the city grew and how in 19, I think it was Chris Dalio, like our financial guy, who had the graph showing in 1970. Um, that was when we amalgamated. I think around that time, and got so huge. And the the plan was that by this, by 2022, we'd have 100 and I think 88 thousand people living in city city boundaries. So be, obviously, that did not happen. We've barely gone maybe 10 thousand people over the 1970 numbers. That means that. The infrastructure that's in the ground. So first, the infrastructure is that old. It was built in the 70s mm-hmm. to service 188,000 people. So that infrastructure is now old and ending, end of, or nearing end of life. And plus we have the, we don't have 188,000 people. We're, this is a massive problem. Like,
2: yeah, I was looking through the unfunded capital project plan there, and I think we approved one of those things in there last night. Which yeah, the is off the off each park. park. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you go well, through like, there, there's millions and millions of dollars of, of unfunded and, capital and, things. Uh-huh. I mean, we, we could have a discussion about some of those items. I, I don't, maybe not today or something, <clears> but, <throat> um, you know, talking about the city's growth, it seems like, uh, You know, there's a lot of sewer expansions or one, one particular one up into the heart for four million unfunded, uh, to service a new development. And, you know, talking about the city's growth and how big we are, uh, the, the thought that crossed my mind when I looked at some of those costs is how come the city taxpayer, how come we have to fund that out of general revenue to service a new development up there? Why didn't the development cost charges cover that? Or why aren't we planning to cover those costs as we develop some of these new developments, that was kind of the thought that crossed my mind when I saw that. I don't know if you, that's you have a any good question. Comment on that or that. knowledge on that?
1: Nope. <laughs> Sorry, I should, but I don't.
2: Yeah, there's, uh, and then there was a few other ones. I actually wrote. Uh, I don't know if Neil will publish it, but I wrote uh, my latest column. There was on um, the climate change impacts that were talked about a lot on Monday night. Uh, one of them was this new dehumidifier for the Kin Center. Which is $1.75 million, which I think is we're funding. I think we agreed to fund that one, I believe. I think so, yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, from a, like if on Monday night, that was the thing that struck me was all these cost increases, not all of them, but a large proportion of them are being blamed on climate change. And at first, I was like, yeah, come on, it sounds like a classic scapegoat, uh, you know blaming something we have no control over for all these cost overruns when you when you start to pay attention like so the insurance rates are going up because of all the weather damage uh and then the dehumidifier so we used to have a lot more dry air in prince george in the winter time and now it's moist so we've got uh just this past month, you know, we've had a lot of above freezing highs, and uh, apparently the humidity buildup in the Kin Center is pretty high, and we've got to put this dehumidifier in. And we just renovated the dang place like fourteen years ago, right? So, so Kyle Sampsoner made it crack a joke about uh, you know the olden days before climate change was only fourteen years ago, and <laughs> you know we all laughed at that one. But uh, you know these these costs are seem to be real, yeah. and the impacts are. Are in the here and now, so I don't know what are your what what was your take on all that stuff. Well,
1: um, who I think it was Councillor Ramsey that talked about the need to to look at the way we word things and and um, talk about climate adaptation. And I think oh gosh, it was Mike Morris that was the first local politician I heard actually talk about that. Um, and that is something that we've got to take into consideration. And I think one. I mean, you know, there was a lot of talk about downloading and maybe we'll get to that after the break. Yes, let's should we let, yeah, let's take our break here so and we'll talk about downloading and and stuff yeah. after we come back.
0: Hello, I'm Carlos Núñez, the Galician Piper. The Ducks. Hey, this is Tim Brennan
2: with the Dropkick Murphys. Hey, this is Dave King from Flagamali. Molly. Sean Smith from Lunasat.
1: Karen Casey here. This is Ian Byrne from The Elders. Join me, Patricia Fraser, for the best Celtic music mix. Kelton in a Twist, Canada's contemporary Celtic radio hour.
3: Kelton in a Twist with your host, Patricia Fraser, Tuesday nights at 8, following Fiddle Fest with AJ, here on 93.1 CFISFM.
1: If you have dietary restrictions due to diabetes, gluten sensitivity, or stroke, or are on a keto diet, listen carefully. Deb's Cafe has blueberry pie, coconut cream pie, butter tarts, butter pecan cookies, strawberry cheesecake, brownies, carrot cake, cinnamon rolls, and many more items which are suitable for your special dietary needs, and which our customers assure us are delicious. Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery, next to PharmaSafe at 7th and Quebec.
4: Update your look with exciting new free frames from Savers Optical. Purchase a set of lenses and get the frames for free. With over 1,000 frames to choose from, you'll find the perfect pair. Savers Optical, celebrating their 20th anniversary. Stop by for a visit at 1537 3rd Avenue downtown or call 250-563-5811. Your new look awaits at Savers Optical. Their 20th anniversary sale starts Monday. Forecast from Environment Canada for
3: today's snow ending near noon, then cloudy the 60% chance of snow, wind from the south of 30k, a high of 1, a wind chill this morning to minus 8. Tonight cloudy the 70% chance of showers or wet flurries, south winds continuing, the temperature steady near 1, then cloudy on Friday with a 70% chance of showers or wet flurries, more south winds and a high of 3.
0: Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: Okay, back with James Diddle, Um And we're talking sort of city stuff and budget, because James has been faithfully following, uh, attending the, the uh, meetings. Talking a little bit about uh, the frequent references to climate change and then go- segueing into downloading. And, and the mayor said... Uh, has said several times, like, we have to remember there is only one taxpayer. And I think, you know, people can argue with that and say, well, wait a minute, it does depend on where it comes from. And, and, and that is certainly a case. But the problem is all of these costs do end up on one single person. Um, uh, and then one major item of download that we dealt with yesterday in the budget was putting the Safe Restart money towards the um the police retro pay mm-hmm. so james what do you know about that
2: so n- not a lot but uh you know you, you get to learn these things when you hang out for 12 hours at these <laughs> at these city council meetings so i forget how long ago it was exactly but the rcmp negotiated a contract with uh, the federal government and that included that was when they unionized i think when they unionized yep. and that included uh back pay Well, the federal government doesn't pay the RCMP. It's the local jurisdictions that pay for the RCMP. So basically the federal government negotiated on our behalf for us, the city of Prince George taxpayers, to end up, I think it ended up being $6 million. Yep. That we've ended up uh, providing them back pay uh, for our RCMP members.
1: Yeah. And the fun thing of that is it's been, gosh, I think it's been four years and we still haven't gotten the bill. So we're still guessing like we we sort of know what it's going to be. Yeah. Uh but yeah, we're still guessing <laughs> on that. It's so fun. Well, I
2: think we're hoping a little bit f- for a miracle uh, that uh I think the Union of BC cuz we're not the only municipality obviously no. that was affected by this. I and mean everybody
1: across Canada.
2: Yeah, so there the Union of uh, BC municipalities and and possibly the, f- the federal the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, FCM yes. is arguing on our behalf for everybody to get uh covered for this. So hopefully we'll get a little bit more money in a kitty Given back to us, and we can refill that uh, Safe Restart Fund. Hopefully,
1: yeah. Well, you do. um, So this the (laughs) the Safe Restart money is interesting. You always have to look a gift. What is it? What is the saying? The old saying: you have to look a gift horse in the mouth.
2: Well, don't. No, no, you don't want to do that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) because the problem with that is that you have to use it. I think it's operations, right? And so it does qualify f- to pay for uh, the, the RCMP retro pay. And uh, I think it was Councillor Sampson that made the motion that we would transfer the um, the safe restart funds to that mm-hmm. uh, because that will allow us like, so when the bill comes in, if there's money left over, then we can uh, put that towards whatever council priorities are at the time. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There was also um, also a little bit of drama last night with uh Ron Palillo there, he introduced a motion to, so we're, we're, we're funding, uh, four new police officers. Yes. Uh, that was probably the biggest increase last night. I think that yes, worked out was to be about $800,000 $800, yep. a year. And I believe we're going to be getting four more next year and four yes. more the next year. Uh, so we're going to see almost a million dollars increase, uh, next year and the following year as well. So.
1: Unless our need for policing goes down.
2: <clears throat> yeah. I, mean, I, <laughs> Personally, like I, I, think I would have, I would have spent more time uh, talking about that police budget because that's a huge line item. That's like twenty-eight million dollars. I think it ended up being repaying for policing, and I don't know. I'll ask your uh, thoughts on this one, Trudy. Is um, you know, Mike Morris has done a lot of work talking about the problems with crown prosecution yes. and how we kind of have this revolving door where we're we're picking up people off the streets who are doing violence or, or property crime Hmm. and they're not being prosecuted. Yeah, and they just end up back on the street again. And there's actually what I heard from what I understand. There's a very small number of people that are responsible for a a very large proportion of these crimes. So, I mean, if we're just hiring more police officers to play this catch and release game, it seems like maybe there's, maybe we didn't need to buy, uh, pay for these new police officers and maybe we could have pursued other avenues to get criminals off the street.
1: But I think the issue is that those avenues are not in our, our control, right? Because I think the crown, like crown prosecution is the province's mm-hmm. purview, yep. and so we have we're we end up dealing with the what we have on the streets and uh, people. I mean, people want to be safe. People want to be able to walk outside at night and not worry, right? And so we have like what we have right now in our police force is twenty percent are are uh, are off are off work 20 percent. that is massive and we have to do something to to fix that and i know some of it is just simply like things like maternity leave but in at the end of the day we have to cover that so i think i mean i would like to what i would like to see is stronger communities stronger neighborhoods yeah. where we are so that our need for that policing isn't happening right so that we can decrease it at, from that end and and i, I mean that's sort of a, like a 20-year project even given mean, if we started now yeah. however there are there are things that you can do um other communities have done them to make their communities safer
2: you almost sound like jane jacobs there. do you know no well, do you tell know me. jane
1: jacobs no tell me
2: so she she was a writer she wrote a really great book back in the 1950s called death and life of great american cities and her main one of her big concepts is eyes on the street mm and if you don't have eyes on the street, you know, all hell breaks loose. Well, and, absolutely. And as you just made the exact point, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember um, when, we, <laughs> when we went to, uh, my husband and I went to New Orleans, I think in 94. And, uh, you know, we wanted, you know, to see the sights and sounds of Bourbon Street. And, and so we asked, I think, somebody at our hotel, like, is it safe? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah it's safe. As long as, but just as soon as the crowd starts to thin out, then turn around. And go like stay with the crowd. It's, so it's exactly that idea, yeah. and there's value there. Like because crowds, like people will sometimes say, well, everybody's blind to s- seeing things, but it's like no, there's the there that does work. Yeah, and because if you, if something, because no criminal wants to do something in a crowd because somebody will see it. Yeah. And there's a witness.
2: Well, it's like Eric Allen always says, you know, it's an indisputable fact that uh, when you go to the garbage dump and you shine a light, the rats hide. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And we could, we could talk. Do you know that um, in uh, next week, I think it's next week. Let me just check my calendar. I have got uh, Charles. No, I've got. Uh, I No, oh, gosh, now I'm going to mess up his name. Uh, I have Hussam Alakta. From he is with, he's a colleague of, uh, or works with for um, Charles Montgomery, who wrote Happy City. Oh, and it's that same idea of building a city with. I mean, use that recognition that infrastructure matters. Uh, it has an impact on how we interact with each other, and I mean, and and we all know this. We all know how pleasant it is to walk down. Um, like, for instance, Third Avenue, where the lights are up and it's evening and there's lots of people on the street. I mean, you know if you haven't experienced that, do that because it's lovely when there's lots of people there right
2: yeah well I, I think it's 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 kind of a sad reality that our cities kind of across North America have lost that, but humans really still desire it well, and, one, and one of my theories for why cruise ships are so popular is because they have recreated the small a mini village city. The small, small mini village. city village feel, right? You can that just walk true. around and meet people and and you know hang out and walk back to your hotel room. It's actually a really. Are you lovely. you allowed to
1: ignore people on a cruise ship? Throw your wife
2: overboard. I, I saw so <laughs> <laughs> Steve. Steve's cracking jokes over there. You can't hear him. But okay, uh, what
1: did Steve say? I missed it.
5: I said, "Throw your wipe overboard."
1: Oh well, that would not. I don't be know good. if
2: that's a joke or maybe just a.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah
2: the the this I think people really like the the idea of a of a really vibrant city atmosphere and
1: well because we are social beings absolutely and um I think like I mean I mean I don't know how you solve that issue with like we've re- retreated into our homes and I mean I I know that we get out and do stuff right but it's like when we when we don't have people on the street our streets become less safe absolutely Uh, now Steve has given me the eye it's time to take our next break and so let's hope our next guest comes in and if not it'll be James and me talking trees
3: The Prince George Council of Seniors is hiring a reliable grocery delivery driver who's committed to customer satisfaction and transporting items in a safe, timely manner. A criminal record check is required, along with a reliable vehicle and valid driver's license. Deliveries are done Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings. For more information, contact Michelle by emailing ed at pgcos.ca. That's the Prince George Council of Seniors hiring a reliable grocery delivery driver. Email ed at pgcos.ca cos.ca. Eat healthy and fresh
4: at Homesteader Meats. Founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982. Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Seniors Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors
2: 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available in most items,
4: including pierogies and sausages, and are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and meat pies. Everything from Erladen to patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations,
2: College Heights and Park Hill Center.
4: Update your luck with exciting new free frames from Savers Optical. Purchase a set of lenses and get the frames for free. With over 1,000 frames to choose from, you'll find the perfect pair. Savers Optical, celebrating their 20th anniversary. Stop by for a visit at 1537 3rd Avenue downtown or call 250-563-5811. Your new look awaits at Savers Optical. The 20th anniversary sale starts
3: Monday. The Prince George RCMP is requesting your help in locating 43-year-old Angeline Louise Hammerstrom, wanted for break-and-enter, uttering threats to cause bodily harm, and mischief under $5,000. Hammerstrom is described as a Caucasian female, 5'5", 140 pounds, with blonde hair, blue eyes, a scar on her left thumb, and the word love tattooed by her left ear. She is considered violent and should not be approached. If you know the whereabouts of Angeline Hammerstrom, call the RCMP at
0: 250-561. 3300 It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station 93.1 CFIS FM Okay, I'm
1: back talking with James Stidle and um, I remember when I asked you to come in it was a few months ago, we, it was just after the UNBC had a, uh, there were a prof, uh, professor and a few of her students coming in who made a presentation about green space urban trees, urban forests um I mean, so I, one comment during our budget deliberations was the fact that we've only budgeted 50000 for trees. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just, yeah, you go ahead, James, just what are your thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, so
2: that, that would have been uh, late last year. Uh, Sinead, uh, or early, she's the, um, she was a prof. That's right. At, yeah. at UNBC. And, yeah, she had her students um, work on some reports about uh, urban trees and we went to that city council meeting and and it was a great presentation it was really awesome for those students to take that initiative yeah. and and provide that information to city council uh i think basically the gist of the presentation was we got to put some more thought into the importance of urban trees put some more thought into the species we're we're planting uh, hopefully ben will will show up here this morning he can i don't want to uh, steal his thunder there about uh, about the details but um yeah, $50,000 for a tree planting budget. I would, kind of my argument, and I, I'm sure you saw that note I sent to city city uh, council and, and mayor this week uh, regarding that line item, is that I think we could actually save money on tree planting by using more native species, and mowing the lawns a little less around some of these trees—it's kind of a little bit of a pet project of mine over the years. Uh, so
1: explain what you mean, and I'll and then I'm going to pick it apart to see if I can.
2: Okay, so there's great examples on foothills boulevards, boulevard, uh, kind of right between like 15th and 5th. Uh, as you're driving north, you'll notice on the east side there, there's some beautiful aspen trees. Uh, they're quite, you know, they're quite okay, large. You're talking 15th. Yeah. Kind of right across, right when you go up over the hill where the Cranbrook Hill Road goes up. You okay. go off to go up Cranbrook Hill Road. Yep. Right along there, there's some really nice aspen trees, and they're nearing the end of their life. Uh, last year, three died. Um, you know, it doesn't happen right away. They slowly die you, the tops die, and then yep. they're goners. And they just took them down this winter. I did a little video on it during the campaign, kind of talking about the danger trees, because we've also had issues where, well, that... That uh, incident at uh, Southport George Park, where we had a citizen unfortunately get killed from a yes. branch falling off a tree, cottonwood. off of a big cottonwood that was the big dead branch was right above the bench, yeah. and people had actually reported it, and we never did anything about it. Yeah. So I did a video about how well we're we should really be looking at these dead danger trees and and spending our money. You know, cutting take, down trees. Well, cutting down the <laughs> danger trees. Yeah, honestly, and and well, that's going to cost money, and we we come up with the savings through mowing a little less around some of these trees. So on Foothills Boulevard, if we had mowed less around those three aspen trees, aspen of course grow from the root system. You can't really plant aspen trees. You can plant the uh, imported columnar aspens, like the Swedish aspens. Oh, you can buy those from. You can buy those you would from have nurseries. Had volunteer ones. You have volunteer trees. Right. And then we did the same thing at that Nachaco Riverside Park. Actually there's a ton of aspen that were in there. We leveled them all, you know, cleared off all the root systems, and then we planted new aspen trees, which the beaver ate. And then they're <laughs>
1: <coughs> and then they're
2: goners. And so now These we've got silly to,
1: beavers yeah. on the on the Nachaco. They're trying to damn them in Nachaco. Silly yeah. beavers. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. So
2: now we've got to plant new aspen trees down there. You know, if we had left a few more of the Aspens are when we developed that park and left that root system intact, I mean that's the beautiful thing about our na- native aspens. They're probably the most important tree we have in our region. Uh, different from cottonwoods. Cottonwoods will grow from seed. Aspens won't. Well, okay, we don't, so if we you don't look at co- cottonwoods, cottonwoods are kind of bad for some of your infrastructure if they're close to sidewalks and stuff. But aspens are are, are much less of a of Not an, an issue. issue. Although we call it an invasive root okay. system because what happens is the roots will spread out and they sh- they send up. They send up uh, little sprouts. So my argument was we should have had little mozones, no mozones, and we could have left those aspens re-sprout. So what happened with those three aspens that finally died is, from what I can tell, the root system's dead, and we lost that opportunity. And I've actually raised this over a few years with city parks, and they kind of just dismissed that because they say, well, we'll just plant new trees. And I'm like, well, my point is you don't have to plant the new trees because, it's not just planting the trees, right? So there's that line item for the fifty thousand dollars of planting the mm-hmm. trees, but you have to do an archaeology survey before you dig the hole. If you're if you're digging a hole. If you're digging a hole. Yeah. So I don't know if that costs. Well gosh, is under you know, I should have line. been an
1: archaeologist, so it's like the the idea of digging a hole and doing oh, yeah, <laughs> that, be, that appeals to me. But. Yeah,
2: likewise. <laughs> likewise. Uh, And then you gotta water it and there's irrigation costs over it. So I don't know if it's just $50,000 that we're spending on Mm -hmm. planting trees. I think there's, there's more costs and we could have just let them grow for free. That's my argument.
1: Okay, so what is the argument against letting them grow for free? Because you're, if you're not mowing, are you reducing, like, I mean, we have so much snow. I mean, back to the snow thing. Uh, aren't the boulevards used for for pushing snow? Like, is that why they're mowing? Well,
2: on the middle, yeah, uh, you could, you'd could you have an argument there, but I, the ones I'm talking about are off to the sides. So they're just kind of large, grassy areas where they're not really used for anything in the
1: winter. And it's not, what about visibility? Mm, that, those areas?
2: No, 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 no visibility issues. Uh, maybe, I think it's just aesthetics. I think we have uh, the public demands, nice manicured, uh, lawns okay. around the city
1: so what's what's a happy medium how could you what do you think you could actually sell um, How could you sell that idea? to people who want to see the manicure because i i have well i think massive you yard and i am always like i really would like to mow less i have ideas but i you know it's not just my
2: well, yard should, you should come see my yard because <laughs> i i haven't mowed my lawn in four years
1: oh man
2: and I, it is beautiful it is you know like honestly the grass only reaches a certain height and if you don't fertilize it which of course i don't you know it doesn't grow that that high and you, I don't know. It looks pretty darn good, in my opinion. And the cool thing is I let the aspens grow. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I've got aspens growing all across my yeah, lawn. Yeah, but now you're
1: living in the middle, middle of a forest.
2: Well, no. What happens is the <laughs> moose come in and, and eat them. And I'm actually trying to grow new aspens because I had to cut one down because the top died. Oh, gosh. And then we drive down the road
1: and we hit the moose
2: yeah what what (laughs) (laughs) we gotta send a notice to these moose get get out of our city no no way that's that's one of the things i love about prince george is we've got all all this wildlife that we share share our city with and um no the moose are honestly they are browsing my aspens and i'm a little bit upset because i'm trying to get these things a few of them to grow and like the last three years they they chew them right down and uh So there's some amazing benefits to not mowing your lawn, Trudy. Okay.
1: uh, All right. We will talk more about that when we come back from this break. Learn to skate, figure skate, and power skate with the Prince George Figure Skating Club. The club is a not-for-profit organization offering skating programs for all ages and skill levels in a fun and supportive environment. Programs include learn to skate for all ages, three and up, power skating, skills development for hockey and ringette, adult and teen skate, and figure skating for beginners to competitive. For full details and to register, visit Inc. Com.
3: cold snaps free to attend daytime series of workshops and ice jams are back for 2023 take in the lunch hour workshop manifest creativity with Hassanabi today the noontime ice jam lette and ever with ette tomorrow and a writing for musical theater workshop hosted by kaylee J. saturday at noon all at Omnica arts downtown Details, along with tickets for the final few Cold Snap concerts, are available at coldsnapfestival.com. The Prince George Winter
5: Music Festival, Cold Snap, still on through Saturday. Two Rivers Gallery is inviting artists from across B.C. to submit pieces for a new ex- exhibition called Non-Returnable. Work should explore our relationship with plastic, sharing your perspective through visual art in any medium. Work might consider critiques, solutions, or other themes that speak to plastic and its impact individually, socially, and environmentally. Successful submissions for Non-Returnable will be on display from July 23rd to October 8th. Submission deadline for Non-Returnable is 4 p.m. Monday, March 6. Forecast from Environment Canada for today's snow ending near
3: noon, then cloudy, the 60% chance of snow, wind from the south to 30K, a high of 1, a wind chill this morning to minus 8. Tonight, cloudy, the 70% chance of showers or wet flurries, south winds continuing, the temperature steady near 1, then cloudy on Friday with a 70% chance of showers or wet flurries, more south winds and a high of
0: 3. Featuring the people who make things happen and Prince George. You're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FN. All right. We're
1: back talking with James Steidel, talking trees and lawns and not mowing.
2: Yeah, this conversation really went to the weeds, hey? It went to the <laughs> weeds.
1: Okay. Um, one problem that I, I can see that city would have is the garbage that would collect... So how do you, it could, because letting, um, okay, let's, let's say that even just, I don't know, 20% of the boulevards or the areas that are being mowed now would be good choices to actually let grow. What would be, how would you manage the garbage? Like, how would you manage, um, the people who don't want it to look untidy? Because you have to make a good case for this.
2: So I think we'd have to clearly demarcate those areas that we would basically maybe call it a, uh, uh, a no-mow area or a bee strip uh, or some other fancy word, a be- better word that we could come up with. Uh, I was actually at the invasive the, in- space, the invasive species folks came in and yes. did a presentation on Monday. And I, I chased them down outside and we chatted. And Claire, I think she used to work for the city. They were very close to actually turning the entire Foothills Boulevard into a uh, clover, yarrow, uh, natural uh, grass area. So this is actually been considered by a city in the past, and and it would basically reduce the need to mow. And uh, you plant the clover and yarrow, and they kind of actually keep out the weeds. Yes. And, and they raised a really good point. When we overmow a place, and that was another kind of thing I point out, is we do a lot of over mowing. Like on the Foothills Boulevard, I counted four or five times they mowed before June 1st. And that's a lot. And, you know, last year we had to pay, uh, I think... I think we've got close to, I don't know, somewhere between 300000 and $500,000 we are buying uh, new mowers for the city, right? So we're, we're beating up our mowers. We're, you know, spending a lot of operational expenses mowing the heck out of our boulevards. And what happens is when the grass is really short later in the season... It gets uh, dry. And if it gets dry, well, yep. weeds can kind of can get in there easier. And then the other thing is when you're doing all that mowing and you don't clean out your lawnmower, if there are invasive plants you basically scatter them the mowers help scatter them around the city so you know if you look at the invasive species guide on how to reduce invasive species the best defense is kind of a cover of native desirable vegetation and if you have a good healthy coverage of native vegetation the weeds can't get in there they squeeze out the weeds so the argument there is like yeah we'd mow less uh we'd save money uh you'd have a lot of more flowers and wildflowers growing on your boulevards. So I think there's an attractive argument there. I think it's it's probably communication. There's a probably, you know, cultural, aesthetic issues that would have to be overcome. You'd have to probably spend money um doing public outreach and selling the idea. But I think it's I think it's a good idea at the at the end of the day. And then you could also incorporate that into getting free trees growing and saving money planting trees. And and the other thing about the tree thing is i don't know if ben's gonna make it in here uh or if we're gonna get somebody calling in but one of the points they made is uh we plant a lot of non-native trees around town so a lot of the budget is for trees that don't grow in our area and uh, i think
1: they've they're making headways on changing that i think that was the last i heard from it's this is um planning and development that department that we're talking mm-hmm. about right
2: yeah. So I think, okay. So here's, here's the other thing we need to talk about if we're talking about trees is if they say, well, we're going to plant native trees, does that mean you're going to plant pine trees around town? <laughs> yes. But, well, I know. pine, of course, is a native tree. I love my pine trees. Okay. I love all our native trees, but we don't want, I, I don't think, forests we, of pine trees in our city. We don't want pine trees around our, our city. And that's kind of what we're doing. Like if you look at that development on Tyner, you know there's a wall of pine trees that we planted up there. Have you driven by that Ooh. down University Boulevard Ooh. or up and around Tyner uh, but uh you know they're they're short now, but like they're they're thick it's like probably a hundred feet thick of of pure pine trees we've planted on that berm as a privacy shield it's like not fire smart guys okay this is the the fire smart people will actually. If you want to get fire smart funding to kind of protect your rural property from fire, you actually have to cut down the conifer trees, like within 200 feet of your, of your buildings. So if we're going to plant native trees, it can't be the pine trees because we don't want to expose, like we're talking about climate change effects on our city budget. Well, we don't want to make that stuff worse. I mean if wildfires being linked to climate change, maybe it's also linked to poor forest management where we're focusing on just the most flammable tree that we could possibly
5: grow, which in our area is pine trees. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
5: So, I mean, what did they plant between Davis and Tyner?
1: So we're just talking, uh, Steve is Is putting an or in talking uh, about uh, between Davis and Tyner.
5: Which one's Davis? From Davis road on, on a speaker. Yeah. Davis to Tyner. They've, Planted all those all the way up.
2: Oh, those I'm on uh, right on the middle of the road. Yeah, those aren't. Uh, I, I don't think those are locals. I think those are might be a cherry. There are some local cherry trees they plant. I think um, another good local tree would be mountain ash. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful one. But uh, so,
1: what about the roots of the mountain ash? Are they a problem? Because that's one problem with, like, uh, like if we can segue a little bit just to the downtown. The fact that our downtown area. Has so few trees. Uh, I mean, we do have the ones planted up and down Third Avenue, uh, but we don't have, except for now, that little park by Wood, Wood Innovation, but that one just seems very concrete. And I mean, we have all these different values to um, think about because part of the reason it's there's concrete there is for accessibility, mm-hmm. but it's, it's doesn't, the park doesn't appeal um, to, I would say, for me. Like it, there needs to be a bit more green space, like yeah. a bit more lawn um, and a bit more um, just to make it a softer environment. Mm-hmm. I
2: agree. So the mountain ash, I wouldn't I don't think they call that an invasive root system. And by invasive root system, they don't mean it's not native to the area. What they mean is the roots like to spread out and then shoot up new sprouts. And a lot of trees will actually do that. It's just the question is to what extent so apple trees will do that because that's you know. a limiting
1: factor when you're planting especially downtown because if you're planting a tree that has roots that are going to to uh wreck the concrete and mm-hmm. sidewalks because that's what trees do you have to plant the right ones yeah
2: yeah so um i think that's probably one of the reasons why they have some of their favorites and maybe also they're just not native to this area, so they don't actually do that well, so they don't really expand all that much, oh, okay. and we can maybe kind of easier. Yeah. That's just and my guess.
1: Right?
5: Yeah. Remember yeah. years ago when uh, they cleaned out all the trees in the city? Remember when they did a big tree? Oh yeah, tree what, like
1: after the pine beetle.
5: Yeah, yeah. They went around the city and took out a whole bunch of trees. Yeah. You know? yeah. Remember
1: that? That was that and just now we're
5: putting trees back.
1: <laughs> well,
5: I mean, it was it, nice before when had all the trees because it cut down all the wind. Now we have lots of wind.
1: Ah, yeah, that's you know?
5: that's a that's a good point. Yeah, I it's, mean, it happened when they cleaned out the bower, right? That's when the wind picked yes. up. And now we cleaned out our city, and now we're going to replant again. I don't
1: well, I mean, I th- I think the, the the you you want trees be- because in an urban environment, I mean, it's not it's not the we're not trying to recreate the forest here, but you want to just create a, a nice space that is nice, and and it's back to that the same ideas. Um like eyes on the street and getting people out because like we are social creatures we are also creatures who enjoy green space mm-hmm. and green trees and sitting under a tree walking by trees we there's so many reasons that that we do need uh green space and trees in our urban environment
2: yeah no i think it's a really good good thing that city council is uh you know was receiving presentations on this. It's awesome that UNBC has done that that report for city council. I do hope that, uh, that some of those recommendations are kind of considered more seriously by staff. I think that's going to happen. So,
1: yeah. All right. We'll be, it's time for a break. Uh, We'll be back talking. City after this. Artists come in all
3: ages. Children are naturally drawn to create art as a fun way to visually express themselves. Studio 2880 is pleased to showcase 33 student paintings from the PG Create Art Studio in the feature gallery for the month of February. The show's opening is this Saturday from 1 to 2. The exhibit will be on display through the end of the month. The Studio 2880 Feature Gallery is located at 2880 15th Avenue. Don't miss the PG Create Art Studios exhibit opening this Saturday at 1.
1: Utilize the Arts North Digital Center for all your media needs. Located at Studio 2880, the Arts North Digital Center has a podcast center, graphics design space, and a photography studio loaded with great equipment waiting for you to try it out. Take one of their courses to begin your digital media journey. Find out more through the Arts North link at studio2880.com. The Arts North Digital Center, studio media for all at Studio 2880.
3: Prince George Potter's Guild is taking registration for upcoming classes. Take the Beginner Wheel Level 1 course Thursdays through March 9th or Tuesdays from March 14th to April 18th with six evenings of instruction followed by one month of studio time. Clay and use of tools as well as glazing and firing during classes is also included. Registration and full details on this introductory course are available through the Potter's Guild link under Programs at studio2880.com. The Prince George Potter's Guild has two brand new mini-workshops. Designing templates for hand-building is set for February 12th from 9 to noon, and throwing off the mound and enclosing forms is
4: on February 26th. Designing templates is a great place to start for anyone who wants to know how to design any form of handmade pottery or to alter thrown pieces. Registration full details are available through the program link at studio2880.com. That's mini-workshops February
3: 12th and 26th from the Prince George Potter's Guild.
0: Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, we're back talking with James <clears> Teitel. <throat> and uh, so this last 10 minutes, let's
1: talk, I mean, because I'd like to talk a little bit about trees um, at downtown and um, and just our urban green space. Um, and I'm sure you've thought of this just because of uh, the type of, and, and thank you for showing me your, your picture of your yard. Your yard does look lovely. My husband—I shouldn't say—not <laughs> everybody would agree that it's lovely. But I think, and I and I love lawns. Um, I really think that there is a place for lawns, despite what some people would say. Uh, but because just because they they create, it's such an easy environment to be out on to play games on that kind of thing. So I do think that there's a place for lawns. But downtown, how how would you, if you could, wave a magic wand? Um, where, what would you do with the existing buildings that we've got? Like, well, well I how, think,
2: I think the, the big, the big problem is First Avenue with the rail, the CN rail yard. Yes. So I think we gotta do, we gotta magically get some beautiful trees growing along there. I would do.
1: They've got some there now.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I think that we need a lot more. Section, yep. Right, right, right between the tracks and the First Avenue.
1: Mm hmm. Uh,
2: I think get some nice birch birch trees on there some nice aspen trees i think would go a long way um the other issue is uh is the parks like Laidley 10 park and Connaught hill so it's a lot of those trees there's some really beautiful birch and aspens up there and i'm always looking at the trees and seeing how they're doing well they're you know, they only live so long. We've got to realize that these are actually not that... They don't get that old, these aspens and, and birches. And what you have to do is you have to constantly... And this back, goes
1: back to your idea about back, not mowing everything. Back
2: to the root system idea is you've got to kind of main, keep that root healthy. It's not the trees we've got to worry about, so the root system. Um, and if you look at old pictures of, you know, the Fort George there from 1910, all of Fort George, like, was a beautiful aspen forest there. It wasn't conifer. It was you know a lot of our region is actually aspen around Prince George and birch and so the remaining aspen in that park are kind of like a bit of a heritage item you know they're they're sort of a sort of a landmark kind of historical artifact of the forest that we used to have and in my mind we should we should preserve that and you know, make sure that they can do their thing and keep regenerating and I don't think we should just let them die because we think we can replace them with some nursery seed stock. So mm. I think we've got to look at those parks as well and, and say, well what's our regeneration strategy? Let's get again, let's let's try to get some of these and with birch trees, all you have to do is actually stop weed whacking around the the base of the tree and you can actually get uh birch will grow from the stump. Right. New birch trees. So you can actually get the birch to regenerate uh, that way. And then the aspen, you'd have to have some no, some no mow areas because you don't exactly know where the sprouts are going to come up. Right. So you kind of have to do maybe a couple hundred square feet around each tree and maybe just a little. So b- you're fence. not
1: talking about completely des- decimating these parks for human use no, no, oh, we're, we're just, just
2: talking about, spaces. let's just do a little string with a little sign saying, okay, this is going to be a no-mow area around this particular aspen tree. For the tree baby trees. Because we're going well, to get some free and, baby and, trees growing. And yeah. then when we get some healthy stock going, and then we can take then, down that old aspen, it's that's a danger. And we've got
1: some young, fresh aspens, the root systems, happy. So we've, we've actually done this in our backyard we because uh, we we've always done uh, real Christmas trees like we've gone out and chopped down a real Christmas tree. And a few years ago, uh, we were like, oh, there's actually like we could actually just cultivate the back tree, the trees in our backyard. And so that's what we've done. Well, you know, whenever we see a little um, I mean, in this case, it is, you know, a conifer. Uh, whenever we see a little seedling conifer, we go, oh, oh, let's let's make sure we protect you. And you know what? I've actually figured out that we're going to have trees forever. Yeah. Because, like, the, these, uh, because, like Christmas trees. Each year, uh, we go down, chop one, uh, down, and, uh, but we have enough new ones coming out that we put a little fence around, make sure we don't, you know, because we, um, I, years ago, we, I have, when we, when we bought our property, somebody said, oh yeah, you have five acres, you're never going to walk into the back of it, and you, it's useless to have five acres. Well, I was darned and determined I was going to make use of that five acres, so we have one path, well, maybe two paths through there so that we can actually go out there and, and enjoy. Because it's a little bit of a wilderness that we have back there. Mm-hmm. And so you want to make sure you're not cut in. So, I mean, in our effort to preserve and grow our own Christmas trees, we made sure we marked off our Christmas trees. So that kind of idea, hey?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity to incorporate nature into your your lawn. I think that's a good, good example tree. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of the other thing you got to consider is... Um, a lot of the bees and the birds in our area, they're adapted to the local species that Mm -hmm. grow here. So when you start planting uh, novel kind of, some of them might even be invasive that, you know, you should always check which kind of plants you're planting in your garden because they might actually uh, threaten to spread around and and be a problem. And then we've got to spend money on the Invasive Species Council to come around and and, uh, spray the back alleys because some stuff escaped out of your backyard. Comfrey is a good example. I've actually got that in my in my garden that's really really hard to get rid of so i think i gotta like fence it off and and keep comfrey, the chickens known in, the, in there oh yeah what comf comfrey is such a nice word though it's a yeah it's a nice
1: it sounds apparently comfy.
2: people plant it for a reason it's it's like a herbal remedy yes, plant so i think remedy. a lot of people like having it in their in their garden but like some of these things once they establish like you're okay. not getting rid of them without using okay. something like roundup or which i'm not a big fan of but but you know when you, in your garden i think you know getting things like uh yeah, blueberries and snowberries and and you know raspberries and and these kinds of things. These local sort of berry plants are a really good thing to get going in, in your garden. Uh, I think I really like little fireweed patches. Uh, you know, yarrow is a really beautiful plant that that bees really like. So I think there's a lot of really cool local so species. So you've to, sort of
1: segwayed away from the downtown and going into oh, a little yeah, bit more sorry. what? No, no, it's okay. We've only got a minute left. Because you sort of touched on stuff that people could do in their own backyards, in their own, on their own city properties, right? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think people are becoming more aware of the need to have more than just, but in part of that is also, having the time and leisure time to actually care for that because it does take some time initially to establish that, right?
2: It does. But the thing about native species is like they're adapted to live here. So actually they're, they're not all that much work. I've, I've got like a pond going in my backyard as well. And I I wanted to put, um, it was actually an old swimming pool, but I converted it into a pond and, you know, I went to Art Naps to look at some of the pond plants that they sell. And there's like a huge market for pond plants and you can, you could spend like 30 bucks on a, uh, on a lily pad right and well i just went to a nearby lake and grabbed a little bit of root out of the out of the bottom of the lake and planted it in a bucket and in winter time i just leave it in in the bottom of the water i don't do anything special and every year it regrows Hmm. so that's the really beautiful thing about you know using using our native plants as they're adapted to live here you can go out to the forest and dig them up for free i don't know if that's recommended but
1: all right well we are out of time thank you very much for coming in james
2: Thanks for having me, Trudy.
1: All right.
0: After Nine is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After Nine is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair, with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca.
3: This is Community Radio 93.1 CFISFM, proudly supported by Prince George businesses like Copar Administration.